Greetings, greetings, greetings. I'm Jay Severin. This is Invasion of the Giant Pod Pundit number 57. Democrats, Great White Hope. Mm, Time to talk of Great Whites. Only in this case, not in the ocean, but on the campaign trail. Democrats, Great White Hope. Excelsior. of the Giant Pod Pundit with Jay Severin. Let's start by setting the table as we head into the starting gate of what I guarantee, guarantee, will be an unrelenting frenzy of breaking, scopes, rumors, gaffes, tips, and even some real news. In this, uh, both the most entertaining and existential presidential race in America's history, I believe that. The Democrat field uh, seems set, which was kind of overdue and unsurprising, Um, you know, and really ought to have been a run-of-the-mill selection process as the Democrats went from, you know, 168 candidates down to a few manageable nuts. Yet the Democrats managed to screw even this up. Even though people were aching, aching to lose at least half of the ass clowns on that stage before the next debate, only two weeks away, incidentally, the world is going to change politically in two weeks at that debate. Only two weeks before the debate, it should have been an easy transition from 219 candidates down to a handful of manageable nuts for the Democrats. But the way the Democrats did it seemed to rub nearly everyone the wrong way, which is remarkable because you wouldn't think Republicans would much care and most independents. It kind of just be an inside-the-party matter. But they screwed it up. The common thread, and I would say the accelerant in this unnecessary piece of political arson, was the exclusion of Tulsi Gabbard from the next debate, maybe all future debates. Even Trump supporters seem disappointed. One reason for this is show business. For that's what the debates at this stage mostly are. And yet again, the Democrats hurt themselves by failing to understand the nature of the game they are playing. For these next few months, Debates are, for most voters, a gong show with a, you know, veneer of politics. Democrats do not understand that this is not a deep policy conference, but rather a television series. And when they said no to Tulsi, they just threw off the island way too early their most attractive and interesting contestant. Tulsi Gabbard. Democrats don't seem to understand um, what they've got here and what the problem is. And they were taken totally by surprise that any attention was being paid to Tulsi. Even casual followers of these debates 
sensed right away that one of their new favorites in the band had been fired. Where's, where's Ringo? This was an unforced error by Democrats who, because they don't like Tulsi, were happy to see her go. They didn't really pay much attention to the theatrics of it. They just wanted her politically maimed. You see, Tulsi for the Democrats is the equivalent of the nutty old uncle you keep locked in his room upstairs when company comes to call. Tulsi, one of the most interesting Democrat candidates in years, is actually an embarrassment to establishment Democrats. Why? Because she speaks like a John F. Kennedy Democrat, especially when it comes to our military, our veterans, and our national defense. That is, she cares about them. She knows about them and is herself a decorated combat soldier still on active reserve service. That makes her a tremendous rarity in today's Democrat Party. Rarity as in skunk at the garden party. Rarity as in the onion in the petunia patch. As far as her fellow Democrats are concerned, she doesn't exist. The sooner she was shut up, the better, as far as they're concerned. Even though that attitude is revolting, one can easily understand it when one appreciates Democrat uneasiness uh, in the fact that 23 so far of 23 Democrat candidates to be commander-in-chief, only Tulsi Gabbard has seen war. Only she cares about it. Only she understands it. Only she is making noise about strong national defense. Only she is standing up for our veterans. To today's Democrat Party, this is known technically as an embarrassment. I shared with you on Twitter, as you shared with me, our opinions on the prospect of Tulsi not making the cut. We were all over it. We observed even before the fact that for Tulsi, this would be a moment when she must come to grips with her ambition and her loyalties. Because whatever she says and does right now, and I'm speaking in the present tense, whatever she says and does right now will define her and her fate. We wonder, again, present tense, because this is going on as we speak right now on Thursday afternoon. We wonder whether Tulsi is going to go quietly into that good night, perhaps ending what might have been a dazzling political career even before it begins, by being, pun intended, a good soldier. You know, following whatever meager, demeaning orders the Democrat bosses have in mind for her. And whatever it is won't be a job in which you'll ever see or hear her again, believe me. Or we wonder, will Tulsi go down swinging? Meaning not go down. One method, which we'll call the modified limited hangout, uh, predicted via Twitter last week, is that Tul by me, of course, is that Tulsi could object to her exclusion from the debates this way. She could release a statement or threaten to release a statement saying, of all the candidates, I was the only one who was absent from the campaign trail for a critical three weeks during the summer when I might have been raising money and my poll numbers. I was not on vacation. I was in uniform on active military duty. Ouch! Oh! Oh! Ouch! Ouch! Wait, Tulsi! Tulsi! Baby! Don't say that, baby! Do you like apples, Democrat bosses? 
How do you like them apples? It, it is still, you know, a measured, relatively modest protest that Tulsi could wage, as I say, in private or, you know, threaten to do in public, actually do in public, without having to leave the party. Or, or let's, let's dream a little. Let's dream that Tulsi is ambitious. And why not? And let's dream that Tulsi is tough. We know she is. And that she cares. We know that too. So maybe, maybe Tulsi might play a little hardball. Or as we say up in this neck of the woods, hadball. She might have done it already. She might be doing it right at this moment. She might be planning to do it uh, the day after Labor Day. You know, let that sword of Damocles hang for a little while over the heads of Democrat party bosses. And then, of course, Tulsi has two nuclear options. One, threaten to run a third-party campaign, which would give her an amazing presence in American politics and culture for at least the next two years, and probably permanently. And of course, it would do something else. It would re-elect President Trump in a landslide. Uh, nuclear option number two, entertain offers by President Trump and his campaign, which I can tell you have already been made, for Tulsi to be all she can be. In this case, jump ship, join the Republicans in a very noisy way in one or another high-level, high-visibility role. Those I have suggested on Twitter include uh, the Office of Secretary of Defense in a second Trump administration. Or, while we're dreaming, the ultimate. President Trump finds a great job and squeaky clean exit for Mike Pence, <coughs> pardon me, a good man who will do the right thing for his president and his party. And President Trump will put Tulsi Gabbard on the 2020 Republican ticket as his vice president. I appreciate these speculations come as a surprise. I intend them to. But if you've been with me for a while, you know that the thing about them is they come true. I tell the political future. You know that to be so. Not all of them turn out to be right. Just, just a remarkably great number of them. I know these speculations, therefore, you know, come as a surprise. But please, please don't conflate surprise with credibility. These scenarios are indeed extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. But they are, I promise you, under these particular circumstances, not at all implausible. There are others. Hey, I challenge you to conjure one. Let's share it together on Twitter. Perhaps you will be the one to make the next big prediction. Eh? 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 So, as aforementioned, this is an ongoing situation. It just started last night, and it's into Thursday today. And as I record this early Thursday afternoon, uh, anything with Tulsi could still happen. But if it's something, if it's anything at all bold, she will be wise to sit on it at least until Tuesday. Because right now, 
you could go down to one of the networks and and you know and, and you know fire a gun uh, wildly down the hallway and you won't you won't hit anybody who's on air because they're not there. Uh, now between now and Tuesday is the blackest of black holes for news uh, next to only Christmas. Anybody who releases any news today or tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, Labor Day, is trying to bury it. You know, like, there's never a good time to be arrested and perp-walked, but if it's going to happen, please, God, let it happen in the next four days, because no one will see it. In any case, there may be some leaks on the Tulsi matter, and certainly some speculation about it between now and then. I don't expect anything major uh, immediately. Fun stuff, huh? This dreaming? Now for a moment, let's consider the Democrat field as it stands and whether something big is happening. Uh, apparently, that is to say, two appearances, no big surprises in the field as we predicted long ago. It would narrow by Labor Day to a game of, uh, you know, political musical chairs with a limited number of seats for Democrat asses when the music stops. Uh, on the evening of the last Democrat, deba Democrat debate, I predicted four seats, Biden, Warren, Sanders, and maybe Harris. You remember Kamala Harris was still alive, still breathing uh, at the time of the last debate. I've revised that since, as you know, to three chairs, because I believe Harris is virtually out of this. Asterisk. The one circumstance in which she is not out of it would be this. If Democrats do decide, and this could be a 50-50 thing, right? They're going to go with the most electable, or they're going to go with the one that they could fall in love with because he or she is a communist. Which are they going to pick, the lady or the tiger? If Democrats decide on a 2020 kamikaze campaign, if they do pick a radical, a progressive of the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wing of the party, if they want to shut her up so that she'll come along with their choice, if the Democrat circular firing squad prevails, the radical from the field that would be their most likely choice is Senator Harris. I do not think that will happen, and the reason I do not has me suddenly concerned. Here's why. If we're going to dream one way, let's dream another. And this one may have some legs. The Democrat candidates have behaved and scored um, pretty much as we expected so far and as, as we've predicted, yes? We, we haven't seen any surprises we haven't talked about in advance. In any case, and in any series of polls, most of them bad, but that's all we've got. Um, in this, if you look at the time-lapse photography of this horse race, in the last two months, one thing has remained steady and unchanged. Biden has the lead with 30-odd percent consistently, and Sanders and Warren are in a virtual dead heat for second. Uh, you know, just sometimes switching, it's hard to tell. The, the margin of errors on these crappy polls is as great as the lead one has over the other on any given day. So if you have Warren or, or, or Sanders is ahead of the other by five points, 
that could be the margin of error of the poll. It could be five points the other way. You don't know. But the total of votes between Warren and Sanders has also run steadily. It's run steadily that it always adds up to Biden's total. That means Warren and Sanders desperately need to knock the other off and inherit their support because that would put them in a one-on-one with Biden for the nomination. That's what they that's what they des- they desperately want. This is what we have expected. This is what I've predicted. This is what seems to be happening, but today I want you to know I detect something else. Something that couldn't wait until Tuesday. Something new. Something ominous as a Trump supporter. Something perhaps quite troubling. I believe the Democrats may be in the process just now, in the next few days, the next two weeks, and on into that debate, and a couple of days after. We're talking about now and the next two weeks of developing a great white hope, as I am calling the phenomenon. Can Biden actually hold on to first place? And only because, only because he is the last moderate standing with all of the gaffes, all of the awful mistakes. Did you see him last week when he stood up in front of a news conference and they said, do you like it here? And he said, what's not to like about Vermont? And then he went on about how lovely Vermont was. The problem was he wasn't in Vermont. I mean, after a while, these things really start to add up when you consider his other behavior about whether, you know, he has his nut together. Can Biden actually hold on to first place under the circumstances only because he is the last moderate, the only guy who can beat Trump? Will Biden retain exclusive rights to the title, the only one who's electable? Or is there another candidate horning in as we speak on Biden's territory, assembling a new winning recipe for the nomination while Biden sleeps. A great white hope. Someone who started out in this campaign and was as recently as the start of the summer, clearly in the progressive AOC radical uh, camp, who has performed steadily without any notable mistakes, has grown consistently in crowd size, and in all the polls up until today. A great white hope who started the campaign as a radical but seems to be moving solidly into the, quote, is electable, quote, camp. My question, my awful question, my concern from what I see happening, my instinct would be the answers to these questions. Have Democrat primary voters started to redefine what they regard as electable? Again, have Democrat primary voters, no one else matters, and and Democrat primary voters only in Iowa and New Hampshire, have Democrat primary voters in Iowa and or New Hampshire started to redefine what they regard as electable? It's an ominous, ominous question and answer. 
Are Democrat voters in the process right now of broadening their scope in terms of what and who they think can beat Trump? Are Democrat primary voters right now, this weekend, over the next 14, 15 days, in the process of deciding, you know what? We can have it all. We can have a a radical, nay, bona fide socialist with socialist policies up and down the aisle, but wrapped in what appears to be a moderate package. Are Democrat primary voters, as we enjoy our day of no labor, are they thinking that maybe they have a great white hope? Someone who maybe will be totally acceptable to their young left wing and have as good or even better a prospect of beating Trump than Joe Biden. I believe what I am seeing in the polls and and some I'm privy to uh, and I see privately, you know, real polls and my instincts and what they're telling me is to at least ask this question and to observe the following. There's an excellent chance that Elizabeth Warren Elizabeth Warren is successfully grooming and passing herself off as the great white hope of Democrats just as she changed her ethnicity, presto, to become Harvard Law School's first ever professor of color. I'm sorry, first ever woman professor of color. Is she again in the process of playing chameleon, of having it both ways? This time is the great viable hope, the Democrat who is absolutely socialist in every respect, but who has learned how to play more moderate. You know, most people don't pay the kind of attention that you do and I do to this stuff. They see Elizabeth Warren, and they may vaguely know something about the whole Focahontas thing, but 90% of people out there don't know. My neighbors, your neighbors, they don't know about the Harvard Law School thing. They don't know how insidious that is. They don't know boo about Elizabeth Warren. And what she's learning to do, and she's getting very good advice, is I'm watching her, and she is playing, playing the moderate card. All of her policies, absolutely socialist. But she's stopped being, acting, behaving like a radical nut. She's playing moderate. Now, this is not an absolute prediction. But this is an absolute anxiety of mine. Having heard it, you may not share it. You may reject it. I ardently hope you are correct. But what I'm going to be watching is survey numbers, wherever I can get them, of primary voting Democrats, especially in Iowa and New Hampshire, to see how those crucial electable numbers go. How are the electable numbers trending? Is Warren suddenly not any longer in the Bernie Sanders, we we love him, but he's a communist nut, and no one's people will vote for a nut, but they won't vote for a communist nut. So Bernie's die is cast, but has Warren started to really well play chameleon? I want to see those electable numbers and where Warren is standing and trending. Is she seen as more electable? in these next poll, 
uh, next polls as she has been in the last few. If within a few weeks her numbers go up and she starts to get in the Biden neighborhood, anywhere in the neighborhood of electability, again, particularly in Iowa and New Hampshire, God, please forget those faux national polls. We don't have a national election. We have 50 individual, independent, unconnected elections which culminate on the same day, right? The only good poll is a poll, uh, the only poll is a good poll that tells me what the voters of a particular state are thinking. And generally, these are not available now. These are not the kinds of polls media pays to create, not yet anyway. They don't make easy headlines and easy copy as these disgraceful, you know, they ask 243 people in the entire nation, like, who are you for for president? If I'm when I did a statewide poll, unless you live in Wyoming uh, or Montana, a statewide sample is at least 800. Now this people will scoff at this, but they don't know any better. You've if, if you're going to get a, a like a well, I'm sorry, not to get in this too deeply. We'll do this soon, and you consider that a threat. I'm just saying, forget the faux national polls. What we're talking about here is. State by state, especially, yes, Iowa and New Hampshire. And I want to watch like a hawk whether Warren's electable numbers are going up. My point is that from what I'm reading and seeing, feeling from where we have been and where we have come in these last 90 days of summer, is that Democrat primary voters desperately want two incompatible things. Yes, they still do want two incompatible things. They want a socialist with whom they can fall in love and be fervently excited with because of socialist policies. They, they, they want a socialist, and they at the same time want someone who is definitely able to be elected. That camp was very well split as recently as the last Democrat debate. It was Biden, the only electable one, and then all the progressives. And I ask again, with considerable trepidation, my friends, are primary voting Democrats in the process of reevaluating what electable means? Because if they come to believe that Elizabeth Warren appears electable, She's going to poll even with Biden before you know it. And then you could see what happens from there. She's a woman. She's going to be called moderate by all the media. She is, in fact, a socialist. She is Barack Hussein Obama with a different kind of trousers on and bigger balls. She is Hillary Clinton, but not, not with bigger balls. She will become Hillary Clinton. Uh, perhaps even poll ahead of Biden in the next few months. And if she wins one of the first two primaries, it will be because she is fulfilling the Democrats' dream. Give us someone socialist who can still win. Give us someone socialist who plays moderate and therefore can beat Trump. 
If she wins one of the first two primaries, guess what? She will have just proven, ipso facto, the minute she wins one of those primaries, she will have proven that she can win, that she is electable. And she will look far and away the most formidable challenger to President Trump. But, but, let's not get too far out over our skis, or for me, over the window ledge for the moment. I'll take a breath, step away from the melodrama, and carefully read such data as are available to me, watching very carefully to see whether my terrible instincts are again correct. Is Elizabeth Warren emerging as the Democrats' great white hope? What say you, best and brightest? I hope your circumstance for the weekend is a pleasant one. Try not to labor much on Labor Day, will you? I may be back with a podcast uh, prior Tuesday. I don't know. And we'll certainly be on Twitter uh, most of the time between now and Tuesday. And, and as usual, we never close. And again, may I ask of you, especially um, those of you who have recently followed me, and I you, may I ask of you uh, a, a very meaningful favor. I'm working hard to arrange support for the podcast. And of course, the Twitter and the podcast will always go hand in hand in terms of the content and you know the overall message. So I'm, I'm working hard to arrange support for the podcast. In order for that to be successful, I need to grow my followers on Twitter. And as many of you know, uh, owing to a Twitter difficulty, I overnight lost tens of thousands of followers that I can't get back and had to start again from scratch just a few months ago. I mean, from zero. Thus do I ask of you to consider encouraging your own followers to give me a try. I'm at Giant Pod Pundit. The podcast is Invasion of the Giant Pod Pundit, heard first on SoundCloud and then usually on other platforms. Until next time, here and right now on Twitter, I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest. Thank you, Excelsior.